lot of us might be wondering, is it hard to be an expat in an international environment? And has the landscape of opportunities changed for women over the last 20 years? Welcome to The Embarrassing Diary. Today's discussion is career-focused, a highly anticipated discussion that you've all been asking for for quite a while. I have the great honor to have an amazing guest that I've been looking forward to be on the show for a while. She delves into some really difficult questions such as are new mothers given equal opportunities on the workplace? And should you have quote-unquote masculine traits to be in a leadership position? Her name is Oana Iordanescu. And I'm going to give you just a brief summary of only a few things that she has done so far. She is a talent executive advisor, a diversity, equity, and inclusivity strategist for over 15 years. She is the founder of We Include, a consulting firm that helps organizations build sustainable businesses. She is the conference director of FAIR Barcelona. Wow, she's definitely a Swiss army knife. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope. You will enjoy this conversation. Hello, Anna. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for having me, Zoe. It's a pleasure. As I said before, but I will mention it also in the recording, I've been following your footsteps since I came to the Netherlands and it's been very inspiring to see all those steps in your career and moving in different fields and in different uh, environments. And I wrote in my diary, one day I want to become Oana. <laughs> this is uh, very surprising, right? Whenever I hear this. And um, it, it, it makes me feel a bit shy, to be honest, because I don't know what people see, right? I, I know what I'm doing, but I don't ne- necessarily know what people see. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's nice to hear <laughs> that it's not too bad. <laughs> so I would like to um, ask you, starting this conversation, um, how, from your experience, how do you see the current field for opportunities uh, for women? Ooh, better than before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big question. Uh, it's probably a very long answer as well. I just, uh, I'm just going to maybe share what I see. First of all, I see a more interesting way of women communities to create opportunities for themselves. This does Mm. not exist 20 years ago the same way. Like I am grateful for those who have paved the way to say, um, we will help you. We will create Mm. a path for you. We will create advocacy for legislation to help you. Um, We now have some very interesting movements when it comes to legislation to uncover, to kind of demystify these ideas that, oh, yes, women and men are equal. I'm like, sure, uh, at core. (laughs) But when it comes to the world of work, when it comes to the world of development, education, there is still a very big difference, especially if we look macro. Maybe some countries, some regions, some geographies are doing better than others. That doesn't mean progress is done, like we are finished. Um, Mm. So I would say there is a, be- a better situation, a better landscape for women in general, especially if we think business or economic power. But we still have a long way to go. I agree 100%. Um, growing up, I thought, yes, we can do this and everything. And then seeing it from the inside, I still feel like there's there's still a lot of work uh, to be done. And from your personal perspective, because you have climbed um, the corporate ladder. Um, did you find it hard to be a woman in a male-dominated industry? This question is very interesting because 
<laughs> my industry, for those who don't necessarily know or uh, want to go deeper a bit, my industry is HR talent acquisition, but within tech, tech organization. So you could say it's a male dominated field. Still, it's, it's changing. But my field specifically, having in mind the countries that I moved through, I'm just going to give you a very small story here. Because in Romania, uh, most people in talent acquisition or HR are women. So I mm -hmm. was launched in my career in a field that was very <laughs> full of strong women. <laughs> okay, okay, that's nice. Negotiators, you know, also, you know, we, we there is this idea of the, the women are more nurturing. So indeed, when it comes to recruitment in HR, you, you have a, an mm -hmm. increased level of empathy. You have to kind of in order to be successful. But my first five, six years were in this field, although my clients, maybe they have been more men right the the, mm. the clients we were internally or externally so it was a very nice balance and then i moved to the netherlands and i worked first of all in uh, in agency in recruitment mm. and then i moved internally mm. with facebook but i think we were 10 women even in recruitment so for me it was kind of boom a little bit of a brain <laughs> explosion <laughs> to see how different the, this same industry was in Romania versus Western Europe. And this is replicated throughout UK, Netherlands, Germany a bit, because the recruitment business is more associated with sales versus HR. Mm. So yeah, different yeah. people kind of join for different reasons. So I wouldn't say necessarily for me, I... I I, ha I I personally had any particular problems or or mm -hmm. blockages. I don't know of them. If I did, nobody tells you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I I think I had a very open-minded approach to, you know, yeah. I bring things to the table. Um, so you will have to like me. You will have to promote me. You will have to kind of create conversation with me. I really focused more on on the idea of what do I learn, what do I bring, what what do I create. And did you find it, um, regardless of the gender equality or inequality, did you face some challenges yourself um, in order to, to acquire leadership position? For sure. And I think for, for, for those who work in international environments, this is a reality. The cultural norms and the working norms mm. are very, can, tend, tend to be different. So you need to learn fast what works, what doesn't work. Um, specifically, mm -hmm. for example, at the beginning of my career, Um, I, I'm not a native English speaker, but I was working with a lot of like English clients, English environments, English businesses, um, a, a lot like between the UK and, and US. And um, you you have to focus on improving your language skills. Like I'm not even saying communication skills. I'm saying language skills. So <laughs> I think yeah yeah I yeah. think if if I would have been a native with the same level of skills that or the same attitude, I probably would have progressed faster. For sure. That's a reality, right? Yeah, Then yeah. is the second piece that I, I feel um, personally I, I struggled with or I had to um, I had to reflect and I had to maybe make some mistakes as well was the approach to work. My personality, but it's also maybe my work culture is more on the sarcastic negative side. <laughs> <laughs> I will ask a lot of questions. I will probably be saying this doesn't work because, or, you know, be, be a little yeah, bit yeah. more inquisitive or, or critical. And then I would, <laughs> I would work with other Uh, work within other working cultures that are a bit more like go 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 right the american mm. culture like we'll test we'll break it we'll figure it out you know they're very different 
Um, I love the combination of those two worlds now, but it was a painful process. So I think more the cultural aspects, the communication, the problem solving, the conflict resolution, they are different culture by culture. And and maybe people listening to you, they're familiar with the book Culture Map uh, or similar studies around like, how do we communicate based on our background and our language and how do we work in international environments? There was someone recently telling me he was from America and he told me the way we apply, we write our CV in, in the States is completely different than the Netherlands. Uh, like sometimes we even have to over to say everything that we're doing. Well, in the Netherlands, we just want three things. Why do you want it? And, you know, very specific. Um, but I also wanted to ask you, I recently saw a documentary about uh, the former uh, chancellor, mm-hmm. Angela mm-hmm. Merkel. And uh, the commentator was saying, she's a great leadership uh, example while she carries masculine features. And I was like, whoa. And he said, the masculine demeanor, the clothing, the hair. And, you know, I really thought of it it, it, to myself. I said, one day, if I want to do something in leadership position, do I have to have those masculine, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. skills? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think about that? Oh. I th- <laughs> I, it's a it's a it's a sore point to be honest because what does it mean right like does it mean that also men with feminine traits don't belong right so it's really about the traits it's really not about the gender I, I feel it's not while it's influenced right by it we we also must be a bit more realistic that this is a western world I think uh, a Western economy as well. Like if you if you go in in businesses, or I see now, I'm I'm paying a little bit more attention to African economies, and you see people, you know, wearing different things, uh, kind of expressing themselves in a different way, and it's not, it doesn't feel so gendered, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, we just yeah, yeah. kind of developed this, you know, the McKinsey's and the Harvard Business Review and all this kind of. Uh, ways of dressing back from the day, from the 1900s, um, is translating very slowly. I see more and more women, uh, and even men, let's say so, in positions of power, in positions of leadership, um, uh, trying to break the mold that is, you know, blue suit, black suit, gray suit, maximum. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is it, right? But, But it's slow, right? And I think a lot of people, in a way, they're also like, I have more important stuff to do. So Mm -hmm. only Mm -hmm. there is um, there is somebody, I think, in the uh, Australian government. I I probably saw her on Instagram. So (laughs) not the very, very, but she is basically the first um, she's Gen Z and she's kind of a first deputy, very, very young. But also she's making a statement of showing up with, you know, short skirts Mm -hmm. and her tattoos and everything. And it's like, fine. And we see this with indigenous um, uh, groups in the U.S. when they're like, you know, or in Australia or in New Zealand, where they come with their own kind of port and customs and and everything. So it is true when it comes to, let's say, the physical appearance that it's it's very hard. I don't necessarily think it is the case for like, the way we speak or the way we we make decisions i think that's somehow very situational and you will have men who Mm -hmm. have feminine kind of approach if you want to split the world in feminine and masculine traits but i think we we start to see a bigger acceptance to the blend of things and to situational leadership i think this is very interesting Mm -hmm. to analyze 
Very, very interesting what you're saying. And I think that's maybe even the future. We don't have to indeed define it only the masculine, the, the old school style. Neither we have to necessarily blend in on that. We can bring something that is new, that is totally. re refreshing. Yeah. And coming to the also subject that it's a, it's a question, uh, a very personal one to me about new mothers. Mm. Uh, I recently became a mother. Congratulations. And thank you. <laughs> So before I was thinking, oh, it will be easy. I will be able to do it. Uh, career and uh, family, it's super, it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And now that I'm doing it, I find it hard. Um, so what do you think? Um, do you see uh, that they are given equal, like a lot of opportunities to new mothers? For instance, a friend of mine uh, told me recently we had to reject a candidate because she was pregnant and the other candidate was not. And I was like, whoa, is this even allowed? No, <laughs> it's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, right. So how do you see um, uh, that that uh, field? Uh, I'll speak from a very, um, let's say, legislative or compliance, but also maybe situation. I'm not a mother myself, so I cannot speak from that perspective per se. Um, I, I think the, the conversations I'm having with parents, let's say so, is that the answer is no. The, mm -hmm. the opportunity is there, but the time is not equal. There is a mm. certain, I think we're, especially in maybe more modern, more inclusive environments, while they're very like welcoming to, to new parents, to people who want to build families. I mean, I remember back when I started uh, 15 years ago, one of my first interviews in the field was like, are you planning to have kids? Do you have a husband or a boyfriend? And I was like, I'm running away from here. This is not the type of conversation yeah. we should be having, right? Uh, especially that I was 19, so it was ridiculous <laughs> for me. <laughs> But this this is a reality that we don't want i think we don't want to see and mm -hmm. i've talked uh, a lot with uh, men parents uh, who are the first ones to say my wife if they are in a heterosexual relationship if my wife does not have the same chances that i have after uh, having a baby mm -hmm. one because <clears throat> some mothers might actually opt in to stay longer home or they 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 you know they need more time they need uh, there's a different type of physiology need that everybody has so there's definitely a lull there's definitely a period before and after that needs to be incorporated and you probably experience that you need to become realistic about your level of energy and your level of like interest to give it a hundred percent hundred percent yeah hundred percent what you're saying yes exactly but while there is legislation to protect parents from these situations there are internal norms and internal opinions and I think we all have seen when somebody let's say um, I, I've been in this situation where maybe they were like managers that didn't have kids and then people started having kids on the team and they're like well you're not really here all the time we're gonna have this mm -hmm. event after work and you come and I'm like no <laughs> So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm making a very weird like I, I, I don't know I, I, I think there's so much to say here but what I would say is that I have seen organizations that are making conscious efforts to be mm -hmm. as equitable for mm -hmm. men and for women for parents and non-parents when it comes to asking to do the extra mile 
this is where the big yeah. problem is. I don't think it's with the work itself, with the, the production, the productivity, the efficacy. I don't think that's where the problem is. I think the problem is, can you stay for an event, a beer after work? Can you come for this uh, leadership trip in Switzerland or whatever, right? Like, And a lot of parents do not have that, that ability, right? Or will. And we punish them sometimes. I think we are still punishing mm -hmm. them. Thank you so much for that, because I feel sometimes bad for going to pick up my son from school at 5.30, like sometimes 5.20, and I stop the meeting and I'm thinking, oh my God, I should be there. Indeed, exactly. And we also have that from yes. the other side, this imposter fear. syndrome. Yeah. Fear, right? No, no, it's a fear, right? That's because you have seen people being put aside, maybe not discriminated against, but left behind. Exactly. Exactly. So I feel so much compassion on what you just said. So thank you. Thank you. Like, really, I'm going <laughs> to scream it out there. Thank you for mentioning this. And um, I also wanted to ask you, um, maybe it's a personal, more of a personal mm -hmm. question. I, I usually ask um, all of my guests uh, this. It's a two-point question. Do you think it's career essential for happiness? And what is happiness to you? Mm, okay. It's a very hard one, uh, Zoe. Sorry. <laughs> Now I'm actually working on a project with a with a good friend of mine who is a coach, and we're we're doing some sprint on defining um, a way to help people build their careers in a happy way. If that, so I'm turning your question into a purpose, right? But to answer your first question, I don't know. I I cannot necessarily answer for everybody. I just can say what I see that the answer is no per se. That doesn't mean mm. it's not important. Um, career, but career and going to the gym can be equally important to some people. Like we were actually having a conversation about a, a, a friend of the family who is very passionate about like doing triathlons and all these things. And she, she has a great career. She's like very good at it. And she, she puts a lot of effort into it. But that's not the happiness point for her. The happiness point is acquiring these milestones and kind of creating this journey for her, her when it comes to a physical um, or mental kind of resilience. What I do think it, we underestimate is the power of poverty. So uh, why I preach equal opportunities for career development is because once you, you understand that you don't necessarily need to be rich. I don't necessarily associate career with, with wealth per se, or even growth, mm -hmm. to be honest. But I do associate it with um, a, a, a level of income, a level of financial security that allows you to be stress-free, focused on your values, focused on your family, focused on your, on your friends, focused on things that give you pleasure versus um, I, I grew up in poverty and I know the strain that families have or people have when they don't have the financial security. So I do associate career with happiness from that perspective. Mm. Is, it, is this a good enough career for me to create that, that security, that safety, that, that uh, space to be ambitious? You cannot be ambitious when you need to scrape for every piece of, you know, cent or mm. for mm. The, minimum, the minimum stuff. This is where the world is wrong somehow. I think in general, we, we tend to push people just to like maximize everything. Uh, well, mm. maximize career, no. <laughs> But we don't necessarily yeah. push people to maximize all the other values, all the other like things that make them happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we've discussed something similar with um, uh, a friend of mine in a previous episode, and he said that in war times of war, when people <laughs> had to think about what they're going to eat, how they're going to survive, they couldn't think about their passion, the sure. true calling, right? And now we live, some of us are privileged enough to reach in the Western world and can't think about that. Yeah, And that is indeed a privilege. Sometimes we even forget it, that... Hey, I actually have the opportunity to think about it. And some listeners might not even have that because they're listening from different countries. So it's really nice that you're pointing that out. And in a way, I mean, again, maybe some people who would listen to this, they would be like, hey, you know, people who don't have financial means, they're also happy. And I agree with that, right? But there are means and there are means. <laughs> there's survival yeah. means and there's like, I'm fine with, you know, again, I maybe my, my grandma who worked in on a farm and on a mine, she was like fine with everything in terms of like, how her life was lived and the level of happiness she wanted or or could achieve at that point but mm. it is a it's a very big philosophical topic so uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and um also wanted to ask you a question regarding uh, nowadays modern dating i hear this question a lot <laughs> from my friends um that i i really hear that sometimes like guys tell me i want her to be ambitious but not to earn more money than me <laughs> i want <laughs> you know there is all, all right. of these things that we want <laughs> so do you think that this is indeed the case that um there is this quote-unquote uh do they feel threatened if a woman has five leadership positions uh etc I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm so far away from the to this topic. And I, I have some strong yeah. opinions around like, yes, people should not. Right. But again, mm -hmm. we live, I, I now live in Spain and uh, in Spain, there is a huge conversation about machismo. So what, what they call this idea of men want to overpower women. And this is both through, there's a lot of conversation of domestic violence, which also comes from the imbalance of power and also comes from, from other strains between genders. Mm. Um, but there's also a conversation around the machismo in, in work, right? Like in leadership position and how um, uh, that comes together. So I think throughout life, dating, career, you know, health, education, there is an underlying piece of we are just not there in, um, in all countries, in all regions, right? To consider women uh, as, you know, it's going to sound very bad, but I think in certain societies, women are still considered second-class citizens. So mm -hmm. when they try to kind of penetrate, <laughs> uh, there is a, there is a, it's probably not even conscious most of the times if there is, but for dating, I don't hear it much. Maybe I'm in a bu bubble. I think men, no. men in my life are like, yes, please go queen. <laughs> My husband tells me, oh, if you ever do good with the podcast, I'm really okay to be a stay-at-home yeah. dad. <laughs> we were watching The Crown yeah. and then Philip stepped back uh, and then he was like, that's absolutely fine. <laughs> He's also, you know, enjoying this life without having to work. That's fine. You can be a queen. And I'm like, that's very funny. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think yeah. it's very different on levels of education yeah. on levels of, of you know mentality towards gender equality yeah um, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah very very interesting <laughs> and uh i'm sorry i feel like uh, maybe some of those questions are difficult to answer because they're difficult but that's why we're here right <laughs> 
but no, I want to do uh, close this beautiful conversation and just ask you, um, what do you think that are the steps ahead that we can make or that are being made? Or what are we going to see in the future that um, inspires you or, or makes you happy regarding uh, women opportunities? Um, invest in younger generations. I think that's a big, big thing that we could do all of them not just women right like i really don't speak here from from a single gender perspective of course we are also starting to see a wider spectrum here i'm just saying overall can the younger generation can we focus in our education for younger generations around maybe diminishing the conversation around gender to be honest <laughs> if that would be maybe mm -hmm. we can we can right. start talking more holistically we need to know the history we need to know the legacy that we're coming with but um, looking more towards the future and i think there are some educational systems out there that really focus on um, human traits versus gender specific traits um, and this comes for maybe a lot of different dimensions of diversity disability um, you know ethnicity and so on like we 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 should maybe start recognizing and celebrating differences more versus pointing out um, what could mm -hmm. be wrong about it. Um, so education is one. And I would also say um, maybe a bit of louder contributions in the family conversations. I mm. think a lot of things happen at home. A lot of the patterns that you learn, you learn at home. Um, so again, maybe it falls a bit on parents uh, or or on the extended family. Um, in in work, we see a lot of um, leaders that try. I would say we have, let's say, in organizations, we have chief diversity officers, we have uh, champions for diversity and inclusion. Uh, we just need more money. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> just need more yeah. funding for things that really matter and make a change um so yeah i would say these these three things like education and i'm thinking school system from all levels um family and then organizational investment governments will follow a little bit or i think there is a, an effort there um but it's such a macro thing when governments push for an initiative or a program that i don't think we see in our day-to-day -day lives the effects but we definitely see the effects in our day-to-day -day lives if if we if we think about our immediate circle mm -hmm. or or just uh, next one yeah nice nice and i think it comes from small initiatives from within from us from our community from the things that your your community is doing for instance and uh, i actually wanted to ask you since we're closing this beautiful conversation when can people find you what are some projects you're working at the moment find me in barcelona on the 18th of april so i've i've changed my life <laughs> in the past three months because i've launched uh, what i what i think it is the first annual european workplace inclusion conference um so this is happening in in barcelona where we we I'm lucky somehow to be joined by speakers from all over Europe that are policymakers, uh, that are corporate leaders, that are academia and researchers. And we're, we're just going to give the next level of insights of what it means to create inclusion in the workplace. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be there because I need to moderate and I need to coordinate. Um, but overall, find me on LinkedIn, of course. Um, I also launched a um, consulting agency focused on diversity, equity and inclusion projects in small and medium companies. Uh, it's called We Include. Um, so yeah, find me in these two places very easy and on LinkedIn if, if you want to connect anytime.
Amazing, amazing. And I'll put everything in the description. I like the fair part. If I can make it, I will come. For Airbarcelona.com. Sure. <laughs> it sounds really, really fun. And thank you for everything, Juana. Thank you so much for, have, for being here today. Thank you as well for having me. It's been a fun conversation. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation. It was definitely a really insightful conversation for me. So if you were until here, until the end of this podcast, please make sure to subscribe to our channel, but of course to rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram. And of course, if you want to be part of this podcast, you can just simply send us an email. That is for today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all your support and see you next time.